Up first today, there is some good news about the federal government's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Leaders on Capitol Hill say they've reached a deal on a massive stimulus package to respond to the crisis. The Senate plans to vote today. Meanwhile, however, President Donald Trump is contradicting his own public health officials on whether to ease federal guidelines in an effort to open up the economy again soon. And amid medical equipment and supply shortages, many are pressuring the president to use a Cold War era law called the Defense Production Act to help address health care supply shortages. It gives the executive branch broad powers to direct industrial production of necessary supply. Some experts say the decision should have been made days ago, an eternity when fighting a new virus that is infecting people at an exponential rate. Here to talk about all of this and the federal response to the coronavirus is Congressman Andy Levin, a Democrat from Bloomfield Township who represents Michigan's 9th District. Congressman Levin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephen, and let me start by saying I'm so sorry for your loss and the community's loss. And I have faith in you and in our community and in, our di- and in the dialogue that you foster to help us get through this uh, as best we can. We will get through it, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, everybody is in the, same, in the same space right now, just kind of waiting for the worst to happen to somebody uh, who we know or who we're close to. And I, d- I don't know that any of us is going to escape that. Uh, no, and despite the president calling it a Chinese virus, which, you know, we heard today that Prince Charles is mm-hmm. positive. And, you know, people in all of India is is locking down. So it's, you know, it's just so important that we stick together as one human family and avoid scapegoating others and take a public health approach to this because viruses know no boundaries and they don't care about ethnicity or race or color. And this virus is spreading around the whole world. So we've got to deal with it as best we can in a unified way. Yeah. In a little bit, I want to talk about how we deal from a federal perspective with the way in which the virus is spreading and how we deal with testing and medical equipment uh, uh, that, that, that we are just not in sufficient supply of right Nowhere now near. To, Nowhere near. To, to deal with. But, but I want to start with your reaction to the deal that was struck uh, on the stimulus package that is expected to clear the Senate today. Is this the right way to provide economic relief to, uh, to, to people in this country at this time? Well, the, I'm very grateful that they uh, reached an agreement, um, and we need to, the Senate needs to act, and we need to see all the details of it. But I think what your listeners really need to know is that what the Senate first proposed was very much a bill for corporations, and this bill that was finally agreed to is much, much more a bill for, for people. And it's by far the biggest stimulus bill ever passed in the Congress, or will be. And the notion that we would pass it such a bill by unanimous consent, I don't know if that can happen or not. But if it does, you know, that notion would be laughable just weeks ago because, it, you know, the Congress often can't deal about, agree about 50 bucks, mm-hmm. much less $2 trillion. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, we 
this is such a crisis, we have to move quickly. But just to give you a few examples, uh, we, we, we pushed it from three months of unemployment insurance to four. But with the, with the House Democrats and the Senate Democrats, we insisted that um, all people be uh, covered by unemployment insurance who often aren't. So uh, people think of someone who's already exhausted the limit of their benefits, the 20 weeks or whatever, they in Michigan, they will be covered. Think of someone who's self-employed, they can be covered. Think of a gig worker, they can be covered. Uh, we insisted on a lot of accountability for corporations who are getting any uh, funding. Uh, so they can't do st- stock buybacks, they can't you know, give big bonuses to the executives, they have to use the money to help people. We eliminated a $3 billion bailout for big oil that was in there. Uh, we put a much more money in to help the health care system, $55 billion. Um, we, we made sure to include state and local governments and tribal governments. And, so, you know, it's a long, long list, but uh, it's much, much better than it was. And I got to look at all the details, but I'm really hopeful that it's good enough and that we'll pass it um, this week and yeah. get get the get money where people need it. We increase the money going to every American, uh, so you know that hopefully that will all happen very soon. Yeah. So you've been an outspoken person about the need for the president to invoke this Defense Production Act that I was talking about in the open. We're getting mixed signals now about whether or not he's going to do that. Uh, what's your understanding of the White House's position on this as of right now? And what effect do you think that could have on, again, this shortage of supplies and equipment that we have that, that is really making all of this worse? Well, this is a mat- first of all, this is a matter of life and death. I'm talking daily to doctors and hospital administrators already in Michigan hospitals, in Metro Detroit hospitals, uh, there is so much pressure on personal protective equipment, uh, like the famous N95 masks, uh, that workers are being put at risk because they don't have enough and they're having to ration it. And the idea that we wouldn't protect our frontline workers is insane, not just for their own personal health, but for two other reasons. Number one, if they get infected, they will spread it. And number two, we can't afford to have the frontline workers we need the most go down just as this thing is ramping up. Uh, so, uh, that you know, you said in in your open he could have done it days ago. Actually, he should have done it months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in January or certainly early February when it became clear the scope of this, uh, that if the president... Uh, should have invoked the Defense Production Act. He has invoked it, but he hasn't really used it much. And he seems to think that there's some contradiction between the wonderful idea of our companies coming forward and, and, and switching over what they make and filling in the gaps uh, and the idea of the Defense Production Act. But that's actually just what it's for. And so it's great to hear a story like Ford and, and um, GE coming together with 3M to make more masks, but anecdotes won't cut it. Here's what needs to happen with the Defense Production Act and what can happen. The president needs to identify everything we need in three categories, testing, mm-hmm. personal protective equipment, and, and treatments, patient care, like 
when we talk about ventilators, that's for treating the patients. So we need that. Personal protective equipment would be like masks. And obviously, we don't have enough reagent and so forth for testing. He needs to identify what we need, the quantities we need, and the timing. And then for each item we need, gowns, swabs, ventilators, he needs to identify which companies make it and how much they can make. And then he can get other companies to fill the gaps. And I'm having companies call me every day saying, you know, hey, we're not, we're not able to make what we normally make. We'd like to help. And the thing is that this is a glorious part of American history and even tied to the success of American capitalism. So, you know, this is a Cold War law, but it's the successor of the 1942 and 1943 laws that Franklin Delano Roosevelt used to create the arsenal of democracy, to get companies to stop making what they normally make and start making the bombers and the tanks and so forth that we needed to win World War II. Mm -hmm. So now we've got a super urgent life and death health crisis. We need someone, only the federal government really has the ability to organize the response. And I just wish the president would do it. I mean, we had a call last night with Governor Whitmer, who was, she is heroically trying to get what we need. But it's ridiculous to have the 50 governors and the counties and the hospital systems all scrambling around to get things when the whole country needs them. And we don't want to be fighting each other for them. And we don't want to be having bidding wars to you know, bid up their cost. Part of the Defense Production Act is the president can say, I'm issuing a contract for swabs. This is the price. You will accept it. And, you know, right. so it just makes so much sense. I mean, you know, yeah. if you think of the things that we all know about the way the government interacted with business in particular during the Depression and during the the Second World War and compare it to now. I mean, and again, we're very early in all of this and I know it's caught a lot of people flat footed and people are trying to respond. But. The, the the pace just doesn't seem to meet the demand that this this pandemic is putting on all of us. I mean, there's it's not it's not even foot dragging. It just seems like feet stuck in molasses in some. You're ways. right, absolutely. And one of the ways I'm approaching this, and I don't know if it's right or not, but I've insisted on two things. One is that it, it's a bipartisan effort. So. The, the resolution that I introduced uh, with seven Democrats and seven Republicans as the leaders in the House um, calls on the president to use the full powers of the Defense Production Act, and it doesn't boss him around about particular items because, number one, legally the Defense Production Act is, you know, calls on the president to have these authorities, and number two, the, you know, the items could change. And so, but it's been bipartisan, and I'm really proud that Bill Heisinger, who's a very senior member of the um, of the Financial Services Committee, which has jurisdiction over the Defense Production Act, Fred Upton, and you know other senior and freshman Republicans are, have joined us in this effort. And I've kind of resisted joining bills to try to say make this many of this and this many of that because. I just don't think legally and policy-wise that's the best approach. But mm. we're pushing ahead with this, 
But the signs on the ground aren't good, Stephen. The head of FEMA just said he was going to get use the DPA to get like 60,000 tests or something, which is not very many. And then he backtracked and he said, oh, well, we're not using that. Mm. So mm. we've got to push ahead as best we can yeah. and apply the pressure to make them do what needs to happen. And every day there is news that that we need to move quicker, especially here in Detroit. Deadline Detroit uh, this morning has a story that says that the rate of uh, spread, the rate of new cases here in Detroit is moving faster than it did in New York, which we all know is kind of the epicenter of uh, the way that it is spreading in this country in the, in the worst way. Um, people should go check that out at DeadlineDetroit.com uh, to read about how they came up with that, that number. But this is not just going to, to, to go away. I mean, this is not just going to stop on its own. There has to be some sort of response, federal response. Um, before I have to let you go, Congressman, I want to ask you about the president talking about opening up the economy again after Easter, uh, which his own public health officials seem to be contradicting. And every health expert I talk to says that's probably uh, absolutely nuts. Um, but, but again, that coupled with not moving quickly enough on some of these things that would give people relief really makes the president seem just uh, not just ineffective, but completely aloof and out of touch here. It's, it's delusional. Stephen, I I'm sorry to say it, but you know we this is a public health crisis that needs to be dealt with on scientific terms. We're not going to get the economy up and running running again until we we get this uh, virus under control, and we're not going to have it under control as an Easter present. I mean, you know, I believe in the Easter Bunny or whatever, but. Let's be serious here. Um, all, every major hospital system is telling us that we uh, it, that we're, it's still growing exponentially in Michigan and elsewhere. And this is a life or death situation right now. We're going to quickly exceed the capacity of our hospitals to handle this. We need to open uh, new facilities to, uh, like perhaps in hotels, to handle non-COVID-19 patients. Uh, who are less acute. Um, we need to have an all-hands-on-deck approach to this and not be fantasizing about opening you know, up the economy just for political purposes or whatever reasons those are. Yeah. Uh, but Actually, before I let you go, I want to take a quick call. Someone's got a very specific question about the stimulus package that I think you can answer. David in Royal Oak, uh, go mm -hmm. ahead. Hello, sir. Uh, first, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you and your family's political contribution over the years. Uh, my, my question is, I'm a senior citizen, citizen. I'm on disability. I live in a large senior citizen complex. Uh, does, will this stimulus package uh, include and my neighbors? Mm. Great question, David. I appreciate the call. Uh, Congressman, uh, if you're on Medicare, if you're on Social Security, uh, how does the stimulus package help you out? It will help you, and that's another thing that Democrats had to insist on because people wanted it tied to taxes people were paying, and so the Republicans wanted it tied to taxes people were paying. 
but seniors on fixed incomes may not pay any. So they are absolutely included in the stimulus. They will get the checks, and they will be uh, eligible for other forms of assistance as well. It's so important that our seniors be fully included in this. So that's a great question, David, and I'm happy that we have you know some kind of decent answer for you. But what we probably have a lot more work to do, Stephen. And you know, this was sort of the third part of our response mm-hmm. to this crisis, and there will be a fourth, believe me, in a few weeks. But uh, hopefully, this will be a strong step forward to get money in working people's pockets poor people's pockets, unemployed people's pockets, small businesses' pockets, so that we can survive this as best we can. Okay. Uh, Congressman Andy Levin, uh, really great to have you here, and I hope you and your family are doing well through all of this as well. Likewise, Stephen. Take good care. Yeah, you too. Up next, we're going to talk about auto companies helping with the effort to manufacture more ventilators and other medical equipment with auto analyst Paul Eisenstein. And we want to continue to hear from you, of course. How are you doing during this pandemic? How are you doing during the stay-at-home order that Governor Gretchen Whitmer issued earlier this week? Uh, Tell us what is going on with you, how you're feeling, and how you're maintaining just your sanity at this time when so much is turned upside down around us. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Today. 